Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey. You called him the little guy. I don't know why you have to pick on his physical appearance. Huh? I don't. He's a good-looking guy. Judd Zolgad. Grumpy SOB. Mm-hmm. He's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I really think that for Green Bay, it's like if their secondary is a little bit better, I, I think that they, they're the team to beat this year going into the football season. And... Um, I think I think that, you know, they're fine at wide receiver. If one of these young guys is really good, it's even more dynamic. The offensive line, you know, could be a little bit improved. I think this year, um, I don't know. I think I think that that team is they have a shot at it. A really good season. Uh, Tony Romo there, sounding like he's sort of been on vacation and hasn't was really that? been paying attention. Yeah, Dave, where was that? What's that from? Uh, intern Max, you grabbed it. Do you have any idea? Uh, yeah, he was at a uh, football camp in Wisconsin, and uh, so I think that uh, so that's why he said it. Crowd, okay, so I fair. think he was kind of preaching to the yeah. We did. We left there. that part out where this is yeah. like he's placating to an audience, but okay. I don't necessarily think his take is bad. No, it's definitely not a bad take. Anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, they have proved that it doesn't really matter how good your team is, that they are competitive and can win the division just because he's Aaron Rodgers. Um, it sort of has that same feel as the Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning, where even when they weren't good, they were still good because of him. Um, but it does bring up something of a topic, even though now I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I saw the headline. I was like, oh, okay, let's talk about that. But now that it was at a camp in Wisconsin, that this shouldn't be a headline. You shouldn't take some random audio of him just saying like, yeah, I think your football team's going to be real good because you got Aaron Rodgers and you had a good offseason. That's not him like actually giving a take. So we need to be a little more careful where we take these things from to put them up as headlines. Uh, Anyway, the Packers, though, are an interesting case because over the last few years, it's been harder to take them seriously because Aaron has been (laughs) a little bit unhappy with Mike McCarthy and the front office. They haven't put together any defense and... I mean, he had the one year where the offensive line was good, but then they let offensive linemen go in free agency. So how seriously are we taking the Packers? Are they the number one contender for the Vikings in the NFC as a whole? As a whole? Probably. I don't know if I'd put as a whole. No? I still think the Eagles, even Los Angeles, um, 
Saints maybe too. I yeah, mean, New Orleans. But obviously in the in the NFC North, I mean, this is a two headed race. I think two teams out of the NFC North get into the playoffs, both the Vikings and the Packers, and the amount of pieces that they have now around Aaron Rodgers. The offensive line's marginally better. Um, but you know, you bring in two you have two of the league's top red zone targets. With Devontae Adams, who, you know, had a monster season last year. It's why he got that four-year, you know, we're talking about Stephon Diggs. I mean, that's another example of somebody he could follow, too, with, like, that four-year, what was it, 53, something like that, million-dollar extension. And, you know, bringing in Jimmy Graham, um, they made so many changes there on defense, too, with, like, you know, using their top two picks back-to-back in, in, on cornerbacks. And, you know, the last, the one of the times, they've done that a lot recently. The time that they did it, you know, that kind of sticks out most of Vikings fans was ninety eight after the ninety eighth season mm-hmm. to, to combat Randy Moss. It does feel like sort of the same thing. Yeah. That the Vikings receivers are so good right now that they had to draft Jair Alexander and uh, Josh Jackson. I, I mean, I would take their team seriously overall. I don't think that they're anywhere close to being as good from top to bottom as the Vikings. Here's one way that I might put it is, aside from the quarterbacks, you wouldn't even consider trading roster for roster with the Packers. If they said, all right, we get to keep A.A. Ron, you get to keep Cousins, let's trade all the rest of our players. be like, no, <laughs> uh, not even close. Um, but if you throw Rodgers in there, he's so valuable. It's very much like the LeBron with Cleveland thing. It's just different. And anytime he's there, they have a chance to win the division. I think maybe Vikings fans are looking over them a little bit. Because they feel like, well, we won the division last year, picked up Cousins, 13-3, number one defense. And I just, I wouldn't ever doubt anything that that guy could do. And the fact that they do have some changes there with the front office, even if it's looked like there's some headbutting, I think we do need to take the Packers seriously. But I'm with you that I would rank Philadelphia at the top because they're the Super Bowl champions. Though it's really hard to repeat. But if they're getting Carson Wentz back, they're they're tough. Rams, when you go top to bottom in the NFC, there's so many good teams. It feels very much like in this window to win with Cousins as the quarterback and everybody together on the Vikings defense, it's almost frustrating when you look over at the AFC and you're like, uh, where's your good teams? <laughs> and, you know, outside of the Patriots and Brady, uh, you guys don't really have as many good teams. And here's the NFC with, what, 10 teams? I mean, San Francisco's going to be a lot better. Uh, I always take Seattle seriously, even if they're fading. So even the teams that you don't really trust, Carolina could be a little bit better or just as good. Atlanta should be maybe better than they were last year after they slipped back. It's still going to be really tough. But Field Yates brings up something interesting about the window to win for the Vikings. Your uh, colleague at ESPN Mm -hmm. locked up at least through 2020 for the Vikings. Cousins, Delvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Riley Reef, Pat Elfline, Kirk Cousins, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes. All of those guys are star level players. Absolutely. Except for maybe Riley Reef. But I mean that's but even still that was a that was a pretty lucrative deal that he signed to shore up that side of the line. I mean he hasn't given you know, everything that he's done and the success that he's brought to this team, especially to this line and the role he's going to have in protecting Cousins when the rest of the offensive line on the, you know, to, to the right of center is still kind of a question mark right now. I mean, I would throw him in there. I think that's a smart, smart point that Field makes because this Super Bowl window is small. 
they're all the moves that they've made since free agency have lined up with the notion that this team is going all in and they're not done going all in yet because they have to make these moves now whether it's a one-year contract for Sheldon Richardson just to be able to shore up that part of the interior defensive line right now it doesn't matter they're not thinking of 2019 the NFL the NFL's a win now league win right now worry about next year next year worry about it February 5th or whatever day after the Super Bowl is. That's how you keep your focus. That's what the Eagles did last year before they started losing pieces in kind of, you know, the whole Super Bowl brain drain that they had after winning the big one here in Minneapolis. I think that the Vikings have to take that same approach in order, and and you're seeing it with what they're doing in terms of how strategic they've been with some of these extensions so far. The guys that they need to help them win right now are the guys they want, obviously, down the road. And I think that this is, you know, getting these guys under contract for the long term. You're, you're, You're not just worried about winning now, but you're also locking guys up for, you know, potential repeats in long playoff runs down the line. $72 million reported for Daniil Hunter. If you missed that five-year contract extension for him, still we wait on Anthony Barr and Stephon Diggs, if you haven't heard that news. So I keep thinking about this Vikings team and what I'm looking for, maybe I'll be Judd-like in my uh, approach here. What I keep thinking about is, how hard this team might be for us to talk about because they're so good. So it's like they're so talented from top to bottom. Last year it was Case Keenum we could focus on quite a bit. 2016, there were lots of bumps in the road, all sorts of things to talk about. And this year, I mean, Cousins is going to get a lot of the focus. But even if he's not quite as good as some people want him to be, they're still going to win. And he's still good. He's still a good NFL quarterback. And and we've all we all kind of agree on this. Like, what are we going to talk about with this team? What is going to be the thing that we end up debating or arguing over? Last year was so interesting to come in every week and be like, "So Keenum just had another great game, and what do you got to say for yourself?" And for me, it was like, "Well, it's still I think it could still fall apart eventually." And there were a lot just, of people who didn't want to hear that. They, no, they didn't. But it was it was a fun conversation, though. Even though some people were really behind him, or some people really didn't believe in him, that's what made it fun. With this team, I sit here as they resign Daniel Hunter, and we look at just how the NFC is going to play out, and I'm like, I wonder what it is that we're going to end up arguing over. Because right now, I think almost everyone is on the same page. Like This team is just really excellent from top to bottom. I mean, the only thing you can argue over at that point um, are the holes in this team. And, and to me, the most glaring one that could easily be a downfall is the offensive line. That's the top storyline going into camp. It's not, you know, is Cousins going to be able to connect with his receivers? Is it going to be seamless, as Mike Zimmer said, in the transition on offense and learning the playbook? That takes time. That is expected. That is what we knew going into this. I think with the offensive line, it's still such a conundrum of what happens when you have an $84 million quarterback who you want to protect, but you don't know what the starting five looks like. And this team has dealt with injuries and dealt with so many issues along this group um, the last two you know, two seasons. 2016, pr- prime example of it. Mm-hmm. What happened in the NFC Championship game last year? 
a big collapse among the uh, you know injuries to Pat Elfline, but even before that, a lot of issues on the offensive line, and you're fixing, you're finishing the game with a skeleton crew. Um, that to me, I think we're just going to be pointing to that. I mean, it's it's all relative. It, this big umbrella of Kirk Cousins is the storyline of the season. He was the biggest free agent acquisition uh, in this off season, but he is the story. But it's not him alone. It's the ancillary pieces that make him good. You know, so if we're seeing Diggs and Thielen, an explosive season from them, that's the storyline. It doesn't necessarily just become Kirk Cousins in, in, a, in a vacuum. It's how these guys all fit into the equation and how they make him a better quarterback and take his game really to the level where he is back. He's backed by the monies or needs that level of good. Definitely could become debatable if he doesn't perform as well as. We expect him to. Then it will be like, uh, hey, $84 million quarterback, what's the deal? And the offensive line will go back to that draft night over and over and over again if the offensive line isn't good. That's something that you could see being a big debate. Uh, Dave, question for you as a – how you've, you've always lived in Minnesota, right? I have. Okay, lifelong Minnesotan that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many times in your life have you gone into a Viking season – and you've said, like, yeah, they should really win the Super Bowl. Gone into the season? Like, right now in June, on my birthday, there was Little Dave or Medium-Sized Dave mm-hmm. or full Dave. Julius Caesar Dave. Julius Caesar Dave. <laughs> like, so on my birthday, at the end of June or early July, your pre-training camp, have you ever sat there and thought, like, yeah, they should really win the Super Bowl. That should be what happens this year. Well, being a lifelong Minnesotan, you don't ever yeah, say okay, the Vikings that's right. should that's win right. the Super Bowl. That's ridiculous. That's right. But Could that win was, the Super that Bowl. was really the, the true expectation of the fan base. How many times has that ever happened? Because I, I feel like in 98... It, it it was way better than you would have expected oh, yes. going to that. Nobody knew it was coming in 98 when Randy arrived. 99, however, you were thinking, well, we just went 15-1, and one, blew right. our shot at the Super Bowl. Right. Everybody's back. Randall Cunningham's going to be off. Oh, wait, he's terrible again. So we'll go to Jeff George. Uh, but yeah, at 99, going into that season, it was Super Bowl or bust. Same thing, I want to say, second year of Brett Favre. 2010. Yes, 2010, after losing uh, the NFC Championship game to the Saints in that fashion. And we all saw what happened that year, that, 2010. Yeah, that turned out to be a bleep show. Yes. Um, I, I wonder if, I mean, in the 90s, you never would have had that. I mean, no, er, earlier 90s. No. It would have been It was like, always one and done with Denny Green. It was a pretty decent team, 8-8, eight 10-6. Eight, and six Sean and, Salisbury. Yeah, we'll be all right. Right. Jim McMahon shows up at one point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. you, you rarely would have felt like this is this Even is the a, Warren Moon years. This is a very rare thing for Vikings fans. You all you probably have to go back to like Fran Tarkington to have Vikings fans feeling like going into training camp, we have an argument for the best team in the league and anything short of the Super Bowl is disappointing. Yeah. It's pretty I, rare. I think as Viking fan this year, you're probably thinking, well, but geez. Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the Packers, and it's not like the Eagles got worse. So, yeah, you got a shot. I think it's Vikings fans thinking, you know, certainly not should win, but should definitely compete, which probably means, like in the previous two examples, 5-11. and 11, Well, that was, that was the other thing that came to mind, is like the last two times you had these amazing seasons. <laughs> it's such a disaster. I don't think it's going that way this I year. I don't think so either. Um, you went on defense, right? So Judd's on vacation... 
but Judd Bot 3000 is not on vacation. And the NHL made an uh, announcement yesterday that Judd Bot 3000 has to comment on. So we will get to that next. Courtney Cronin from ESPN, me, Matthew Collar, in for Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. No! No! no. Now! I need it now! Yes! I can't wait! Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Are we ready? Let's get it on. On 1500 ESPN. All right, so if you've got a thought on this... Who do you want to see next for the Vikings? It's down to two for the contract extensions now that Daniil Hunter is signed. So who is next? Is it Anthony Barr or Stephon Diggs? Understanding there will be a price difference. Stephon Diggs will be a lot more expensive than Anthony Barr, I would assume. So who would you rather see the Vikings re-sign if you could only sign one of them? 651 646-8255 or 877-615-1500 if you are outside the area. Feel free to give us a call. Give us your thoughts on that. Um, My quick reaction was, what a good deal for him considering the price of edge rushers. I mean, I remember once upon a time, a few years back, when Mario Williams got $100 million, and I think 50 was guaranteed, and he was kind of... Past his prime, late prime, they weren't entirely sure what they were going to get out of him overall. And with someone like Daniil Hunter, he's 23 years old. I mean, he's your, not your deal better, here. Entering his prime, he's 23, and that keeps him around five year deal 2023. Think about where this team could potentially be then. And uh, he'll be younger then than Everson Griffin is right now. Yeah. So, and we still consider Everson Griffin in his prime. That means they could have Daniil Hunter for a, a very long time and locked up one of the better edge rushers in the NFL, not concerned about the sack numbers going down because he still consistently pressured the quarterback, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, so that's happening, and feel free to chime in on that. We also had a good conversation about LeBron James in L.A., and Matt on Twitter brought up whether you regret or feel like you will ultimately regret the Wolves' trading for Jimmy Butler, which is talk about something that is frustrating to uh, to discuss. But the NHL did something yesterday, an announcement that caught a lot of people by surprise, including me. They announced that Gary Bettman, the current commissioner, will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And all of Twitter's reaction was the same as mine. A what? <laughs> <laughs> an acting commissioner going into the Hall of Fame. It's happened before. Okay, who was that? Pete Rozelle. Okay. The NFL. I mean, different circumstances, obviously. And it happened like 1985. Should, but... they, should they just not do that, though? Like, yeah, put an I acting mean, commissioner in? I don't, I don't like the move. And it's, especially with some of the stuff that surrounds this guy and his legacy. Sure, he's built the NHL in, in kind of ways. Well, he's been the commissioner since 93. But he's had three lockouts under his belt in that time. One that was an entire season that, you know... I tend to think people of my age from the, like the if you didn't grow up a true hockey fan and mm-hmm. you know kind of coming into your formative years of sports when you were about 14 I mean there was a reason that hockey was not very popular in Chicago because because of the lockout because of the blackout rules really for the Blackhawks which yes. was its own thing but I mean that that is a tarnish of your legacy in my opinion so whether you would get in now or be or even beyond now I think should still kind of be in question but 
It seems like a very political move here from the NHL, and I'm not really sure. I don't like it. And I'm sure Judbot3000 is going to have some important I'm, things to say about I'm it. I'm glad you brought that up, because I was just <laughs> going to say there's somebody else that was also very upset with it. I got a call from Judbot when he saw the news yesterday sometime in the, in wow. the evening. Uh, he was halfway through a bottle of Hennessy, at least oh, halfway. Oh, goodness. He drinks Hennessy? Yeah. I, well, Judbot, you can't face Judbot. Yeah, he doesn't even taste it. It's, it I thought he was a crown so guy. <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't it? Knowing Judbot a little bit as you do. Uh, but no, he goes straight for the Hennessy. But uh, yeah, he had thoughts as well. Among the list of hockey greats in the newest Hall of Fame class, Gary Batman, honest to God, this idiot has done nothing but run the NHL into the ground for 25 years. And now he's going into the Hall of Fame, and now you're saying to yourself, Judbot, why are you always so hard on Batman? I'll tell you why. The reason is this. Three letters. O-L-N. This little troll took his league off ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, and put them on the Outdoor Life Network in between coverage of America's Cup and reruns of Babe Winkle Men. That's all you need to know. Up until now that was the dumbest decision in the history of sports. Until you put the mastermind into your hall of f***ing fame. I will always love the game, but I hate the league. Idiots. Judbot. That was really good. Nobody uh, lays it out exactly like Judbot 3000, and we thank him for that. Uh, it's hard to disagree with the points, though. I mean, uh, I like they, they probably will put in every commissioner ever, always, right? Um you'd have to really do something terrible not to. And just because you've been commissioner for a long time doesn't ever mean you're good at it. The three lockouts are such a huge deal. The lack of growth for the game. Every other sport between when I was a little kid and now has blown up in its popularity. And here's the the, the little tugboat behind the NHL. Like, oh yeah, we're still here. And everybody else is flying by in speedboats. And it's just like... Why is it that you've been so far behind? I mean, one reason is they allowed the sport to continue to have the fighting that it has, and it didn't focus the, as much on the skill for a very long time. I think that turned people off. Sure, uh, It's been so super regional, and they, they've failed to market it very well to the Midwest, aside from if we count in the Midwest. But like, if you go to Nebraska, I don't think they're paying much attention to what's going on with hockey. And... When you consider that franchises are in dire situations all the time, Florida, Carolina, Arizona, all those things, you're always going to have some troubles, but like it's been really bad. Where all these other teams or all these other leagues have found ways to not have those problems with teams struggling and teams moving all the time, and they've sort of gotten past that, here's the NHL still sputtering along, and I put a lot of that on the commissioner. I think that a lot of the entertainment value has been even sucked out of the game from when I was younger, when they used to score a lot more goals in the early 90s, and now that doesn't happen as much. They are obsessed with the parody point to the point where you kind of feel like, uh, okay, well, nobody really stands out, and it sort of lacks good storylines. I think the NHL's far behind. They're on Golf Network. Their, their playoffs were on Golf Network, and we're putting the guy in the Hall of Fame. It and the, just doesn't make a lot of sense. And the fact that this happens the year that players are not allowed to go to the Winter Olympics, I think is a huge yeah. black eye. I mean, they. I feel like the NHL, at least in recent years, and recent Olympics, he's the last time this happened was 98, which was also under his watch. He's always been fighting with the IOC, and I don't really understand why 
there's been that inner competition about being able to like market your players and, and all of that. And they've just really have been like, okay, if you're not going to even try to, we're not going to try to compromise from you. We're going to be completely hands off and we're not going to have games during this window. Well, they had three, I think, primetime games during the Olympics this year anyways. So I don't know. To me, there's a reason that this is going to be a big year for the NHL Hall of Fame. I mean, you have the first African-American player um, in the league's history inducted, but this is kind of one where... It's a controversial induction to begin with, but when it's somebody who's had this many controversies under his belt mm-hmm. and in his reign as commissioner, I, I just don't think it's smart. I mean, posthuman or what was it posthumously? I don't know. Post posthumously, yeah, whatever, whatever the word is. Um, this is like us arguing over how I say the word height with a th at the end. That's, Anyways, that's not how it's spelled. <laughs> um, Bud Selig was a very controversial commissioner when you take a look at the reign he had over mm-hmm. the steroid era he still got in I, I still think he would have gotten in as you said you would have to do something pretty bad to not be in the hall of fame but why this is happening currently just feels like a very charged political move yeah and with um i believe that they can opt out of the cba in short order which means another potential work stoppage which would be already i mean it's a league that's struggling already and then it would be even more crushing so anyway it doesn't make a lot of sense to me so judbot 3000 i am so with you dave what do we got coming up in uh, stuff we're going to talk about holding grudges a little story from jess jeff hotler about bill belichick and pooping your pants okay don't go anywhere more mackie and judd coming up next and you know what they need Tweaks. 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 On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey. It's the worst thing I do at ESPN. Judd Zolgad. I just want to drink and watch TV. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Jersey Mike's Subs. The sub above difference is substantial. After all, the giant got its name for a reason. It ain't little. Jersey Mike's be a sub above. Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. I want to know. Okay, Dave, uh, real quick before we get to all of your stuff. Please. Um, I'm reminded of two other things about Gary Bettman that yesterday people were talking about <laughs> with the Hall of Fame. One is the league taking over Arizona for a while. Just like... Yeah, things are so bad with this franchise right. that yep. we're going to have to run them for a while. It's like, yeah, okay, that that's normal. That just happens all the time. Sure. sure. Um, the other thing is that he denies any connection between hockey, where you punch people in the head, and <laughs> CTE. So, which I understand mm-hmm. he's doing that because um, the lawsuits will eventually be coming. I think that his legacy will be... That a lot of teams didn't really succeed. They had lockouts. They had embarrassments like that. And eventually it will also be that he presided over a league that was very slow to react to head injuries. That will, Other than that, will, that, that will be what we remember Gary Bettman yeah. for. So happy Hall of Famer. They they gave away the cup most years. That was good. That's nice. Okay, what do you Here got? Go, Gary. Uh, let's start with Jeff Hostetler, former NFL quarterback. He was a rookie back in 1984 with the Giants. When Bill Belichick was the defensive co- uh, coordinator, 
Well, he says he's told the, what is it, the three guys before the game podcast. Bill never really took a liking to old Jeff Hostella. He wanted to be drafting a defensive guy while they went with the quarterback. And here's how it went early on. I would run a little bit of the seven-on-seven for the defense. And Belichick would always have these cards out, and he would show us what he wants us to do. And then he would turn where the center would be. He would turn, and he would watch his defense. And so we were running all these crossing routes. And, and so all of a sudden, we're running these crossing routes, and he stands right there where the center is. I drop back, and it's a two-yard crossing route. And I drill it to the guy. Well, all of a sudden, part, uh, Bill's, Bill's uh, head is right in the way. It hits him in the head. His papers fly everywhere. The ball flies everywhere. Everybody stops. And it's like everything just went quiet. It's like, uh-oh. And then he starts ripping into me and yelling at me and grabbing his papers and that. After that uh, was over with, I had almost every defensive player come up to me and say, hey, great job, Hoss. Great job. And it was like it was. Oh, good for you, Jeff Hostetler. I think we all dream of throwing a football to the head of Bill Belichick. That's a, that's a beautiful story. That brought a tear to my eye. Really? Really? It really did, yeah. It makes you emotional? It really did, yeah. Although, except Jeff Hostetler was the quarterback who beat the Buffalo Bills in no, my don't first get, don't get mad. sports memory. Don't get mad. The first thing I remember in sports that I ever saw as a child was the wide right kick. So Jeff Hostetler beating the Buffalo Bills. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm not actually sorry. I'm okay. I'm really okay with it. But now time. I can forgive him. Actually, he really did nothing wrong. A guy just missed the kick. Speaking of Bill Belichick, I came across this, a ranking, because we love to do rankings in the offseason, of the best coaches, 1 through 32 in the NFL. This is from the big lead. Based on what they've done, what they think will uh, will happen in the future with their uh, well, with the coach and their respective teams. Mm-hmm. Speaking of two people that cover the Vikings, where would you put Mike Zimmer on that list? Just off the top, off the top of your head. Elite, elite. I, just, I, I can't put a number. I'm just gonna say elite. I'd say top ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's. I think he's got to be in the top. 10. You think the national people agree with that? Eh, they should. Yeah, maybe they should. I mean, the Vikings went 13 and three last year with Case Keenum as their quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you consider that Mike Zimmer has 40 wins in four years with Matt Castle starting in 2014 at the beginning of 2014. Starts beginning of 2015 with Bridgewater. 2016 with. Sam, uh, Sean Hill, then Sam Bradford, and 2017 with Sam Bradford, then Case Keenum. I mean, usually if you have that many changes at quarterback, you do not win 10 games a year. Well, this list has him barely in the top half. They have him at hmm. 14. I'm going to start at number one and mer- work my way down. I like to play this game. Okay. Jump in when you feel the list has jumped the shark and oh, gone to absolute okay. complete right. crap. Number one Yell is. Yell when I get offended. Yes. Number okay. one is Belichick. Okay. Number right, two, cheater, reigning, cheater. reigning Super Bowl champion, Doug Peterson. Yeah, okay. Pete Carroll. Eh? No. No, I don't agree with that. Wow, number three. You're already he mad. He did not hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch <laughs> at the goal line. There, I win that argument on... <laughs> By the way, uh, Packer fans, your coach somehow is number five. Oh, my God. Mike McCarthy is five. Are you serious? A dude who could potentially be on the hot seat this year is number five. <laughs> Does Aaron okay. Rodgers count? Like, is Aaron Rodgers also, like, co-coach? He's not so. uh, He's not on the list anyway. Uh, I'd have to look, see if there's another list we can find him on. Mike McCarthy is definitely not a better coach than Mike Zimmer. Like, You'd I have to we, think. I that's, think we could say that flat yeah. out. Where is this list from again? Aaron Rodgers is good. Okay. Big lead USA Today. I don't remember the writer's name. Henry something or another. 
But yeah, yeah, that's all you need to know. It really uh, greatly offended intern Max here. I think he's <gasps> Archie Bradley pitches for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He uh, was on a, the uh, Yahoo Sports Baseball podcast, and they were talking about the Brewers pitcher, Adrian Hauser, who a week or two ago decided to puke behind the mound. Oh. And the question was, well... Do you make that decision? I don't think you decide to puke behind the mound. I think well, you just puke behind the mound. You could puke on the side of the mound. You could puke in front of the mound. He chose the back of the mound to help everyone, okay. I guess. I mean, it's the obvious spot. Go ahead. I don't know if it's obvious, <laughs> frankly. Uh, anyway, we found out, by the way, those two used to live together, which is ironic when you get to this story, because the question was, okay, well, he puked. Do you have any uh, embarrassing stories you'd like to fess up with? Well, as a bullpen guy in these big situations, I call them nervous peas. I don't have to pee a lot, but I know I have to pee before I go in the game. It's so awkward. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. So, I can't it's believe a 2-2 two, two count, and I'm like, man, I have to pee. I have to go pee. So I run in our bathroom real quick. I'm ready to go, and I'm trying to pee. And I actually pooped my pants. Oh. Like right before I'm about to go in the game, I pooped my pants. Okay. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know I'm a pitcher away from going in the game, so I'm scrambling to clean myself up. (laughs) I get it cleaned up the best I can, button my pants up, and our bullpen coach, Mike Ferris, said, Hey, you're in the game. So I'm jogging into the game to pitch with Poop in my pants, essentially. Poop in your pants. And, and did you look to see if it was showing and stuff? Yes, I did. I did check the mirror. I checked the you know white pants were at home, and I actually told my teammates. I stepped out the bathroom. I was like, "Hey, am I okay? I just I just <laughs> myself. Like I'm about to go into this game, and they didn't believe me. They didn't believe me until they unfortunately saw the mess in the bathroom because I didn't have time. I was like, I got to go in the game. And I actually had a good inning. I had a clean inning, and I walked in the dugout, and I was like, guys, I just myself before I. They didn't believe me, and then the bullpen came in. They're like. Oh, my God, you had to see this. All right, I love Courtney's reaction. What's more true? Athletes are disgusting, uh, disgusting, or all males are disgusting? Males, you you guys have, you're trying to go to the bathroom and then that happens? I don't, well, <laughs> no, here's, that, no, that's that not a regular that's not thing. normal? Okay. It's not a regular thing. No. I do know that just from covering <laughs> baseball, there is a urinal in most, um, I mean, it's like right there, like there's no door, there's no anything. You guys have no shame, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um in in most dugouts, it's like right out the corner of like when you're heading back to the locker room. There's a urinal there. Yeah. Um. So, is this happening when he's like around other teammates? That's kind of that's I, vile. I would guess that <laughs> have some he class. Was was very nervous. I, I think that that those two things can be related. Uh, I remember hearing someone, football player, talking about before the Super Bowl that the uh, stalls were all taken. Because of guys being so nervous that their stomachs were acting up. Um, As far as just like, you'd think with a relief pitcher, you've done this enough times where you wouldn't have that problem. But apparently he did, and there's no other choice. But you know what? I give him credit for telling the story. Because embarrassing things happen to everyone, and you have to be a very comfortable man with yourself to tell the story of having that happen to you before you pitched in a major league game. I think he might have blacked out when he told that story because he (laughs) sounded like he was not well. (laughs) Uh, Someone else who's not well, Sergio Romo, relief pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. What was he doing the other night? Three weeks ago, Michael A. Taylor of the Nats stole a base on him, went from second to third. It was like a 9-2 ball game in the sixth inning. Sergio didn't appreciate that. Three weeks later, he faced Michael Taylor oh. in the final out of okay. the game that the yeah. Rays won one nothing. I know this it. is going. And the Rays pitch back to 
back-to-back shutouts against the Washington Nationals, and Sergio Romo is letting them hear it. And here comes Adam Eaton out of the dugout. The benches are <laughs> going to clear as the game ends, and Sergio Romo was giving it to the Nationals' dugout. Stomped off the mound, screaming at Taylor about, I hate you for three weeks. Baseball players do not have, they have very long memory. They don't have anything to do except for sit down in the bullpen and seethe for three weeks. I hope I face him again. Dude, that was nine days ago. I'm still mad. I haven't been in the game since then. It's, yeah. But the, the thing was, the bench-clearing brawl that happened was after the game, and there were no punches thrown. Why does baseball get away with allowing the benches to be cleared and all yeah. that when in football, Marshawn Lynch runs on the field to save his quote-unquote cousin, Marcus Peters. Uh, he gets ejected from the game. In basketball, you get a massive fine that comes with it, and you get thrown out. Why does baseball get away with that? I do wonder if it's just like fodder. I mean, when when the bench is clear, it's like every show has something to talk about, and it's always on ESPN. And very rarely does anyone get hurt in any of those things. It's usually just like, "What are you going to do about it?" Unless yeah, you're hold me back, hold me back. Last year, Michael was it Michael Morris, the guy whose career ended last oh, year yeah. from running yeah. into Jeff Samarja, That's right. which I believe was another instance of. Um, it was from the year before, right? Like yeah. when he like struck him yeah. out. It's like you held on to that grudge for a whole year. <laughs> you so, should you should go to go to therapy and try to get over that. Okay, so I or you could throw but, a baseball at somebody's ear. I'm definitely guilty of this, like in real life and when I played sports. I mean, little league. So I got hit by a kid in little league with a pitch, unintentional entirely, and then struck him out a couple weeks later. And started yelling at him. So like, I mean, I yeah, this and, and this would this would happen when I played high school because we played the same kids basically year after year, small schools, and yeah, yeah. Anytime there was wow. a grudge, yep. And then I'm like that in real life. Yeah, you're a jackass. With, yeah. Wow. No, I just like I think you're a grudge holder or you're not. I think you either like hang on to this stuff or you don't. And baseball players, maybe it's just part of who they are that that's what they do. It's the fabric of the game. It's respecting the game. It is. Lame. Um, the Vikings signed Daniil Hunter to a contract extension. Would love some reaction to that. And who you think is next? Is it Anthony Barr or Stephon Diggs? Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Coffee break. Better hurry if we want to get a seat. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. There's a touch of madness around here. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Join 1500 ESPN in supporting Minnesota's military, veterans, and families this Saturday at the 2018 Patriot Ride at the Inoka County Airport. It's from 9 a.m. until 3. This all-day event features a 70-mile ride, food, music, vendors, music, and more. Hey, I said music twice. There must be a lot of music. Bike registration is now open. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. All right, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, in for Mackie and Judd this morning in our TCL broadcast studios. And Anthony Barr, Stefan Diggs, who do you want to see the Vikings re-sign next to a long-term contract extension? They signed Daniil Hunter to a five-year deal worth about $14 million a year. We're waiting on the full breakdown of that, see what the cap hit's going to be and so forth. Uh, if you want to jump in on that, 651-646-8255, the number, or if you are out of town, 877 877- 615-1500 to jump on.
on. Uh, in a few minutes, want to talk about this story with the quarterback, Tyler Holinsky, uh, who is a 21-year-old football player who committed suicide, and they found signs of CTE in his brain at just 21 years old. So we want to talk about that in a couple minutes. But circling back to where we're at with the Vikings and what they did today, um, it feels like they're only going to be able to re-sign one of the two, doesn't it? Yeah. Don't, don't you have that feeling? Even because they were eighteen million. The yeah, they were eighteen million under the cap right now, and with Hunter's numbers, where he's going to be getting about fourteen million a year, um, and having to work that out with a fifteen million dollars signing bonus, one feels. I mean, one it's one's a push, but they've made this work. I mean, Rob Brzezinski has done some pretty tremendous work. Mike Zimmer, I think, called him a wizard or a genius uh, back a few months ago. So, I mean, it's. They've got their work cut out for them to make one more of these happen. And kind of in some of the recent comments, I know there was an SI article where Anthony Barr was interviewed and he said, you know, with the contract situation, he's been very much remaining the same with us, uh, you know, when we talk to him at, in OTAs and everything else where, you know, regardless of his role changing and all of that with the contract talks, it's that's on them. It's not on me. I mean, he's done really he's done his part in showing up to mandatory minicamp and showing up to OTAs minus the first week. I mean, it's all voluntary at that point. He would have been fine had he not come to mini, fine had he not been come to minicamp, uh, had he not come to minicamp. But there's, there's something in me that thinks that there might be a little bit of tension there. It's felt that way since Zimmer said about him that he was coasting in 2016, that even going into last year and talking with Barr last year, of course, he had the Aaron Rodgers thing, and he was sort of defensive about that a little bit because he didn't feel like it was a dirty hit. The NFL agreed with him, but of course, you don't just move on from those things. And I, I remember him tweeting all the you know, threats he was getting from people and people calling him names from Wisconsin and all that stuff. And, and that has nothing to do with how he feels about uh, now. It's just sort of there, there has been some tension around him and how much he's worth is an interesting debate. Because a linebacker like him in 1993 or something would have been like, oh, dude, you got to keep him. I mean, this guy, he's a he's a monster and he's making tackles in the run game. and He could cover the running backs out of the backfield and you would play three linebackers in the game at all times. Now, though, where everybody throws so often, you just don't feel like you need to have him. And if you were going to lose one piece off of the entire starting lineup on the defense, you wouldn't want it to be Harrison Smith or something, right? One significant player. You wouldn't want it to be one of the, de- the defensive ends. You wouldn't want it to be Xavier Rhodes. You would probably pick the linebacker because it just doesn't have that much of an impact. I mean, think about how good they were on defense in 2016, and Barr had a very poor year. It just didn't make that much of a difference. But when you look at, with Stephon Diggs, the type of impact he had on Case Keenum, uh, Case Keenum, when he was throwing to Stephon Diggs, had a 119 quarterback rating. It was the second highest of any receiver, like when he was targeted in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Like he had a huge impact on the quarterback, which is how you win. And I see it as almost no argument for which guy should be paid first. You'd think, let's go back a few months ago, before they signed Kirk Cousins, we were wondering, can they do this? Can they have Cousins? Can they have all four of these guys that were due extensions are coming due. You think back then, Barr is the first one you get done just because you can lower his cap number. It's like 12.3 million. 
um, with a fifth-year option and that it gives you some cap flexibility if you were to extend him now, bring his number down for 2018, and then, you know, moving forward. Now, given the order, it seems like kind of, I thought Hunter jumped at least one or two spots in terms of the pecking order of Mm -hmm. how these contracts are going to get done. It's starting to feel like Barr could potentially be the odd man out, despite everything that's been said. Um, and kind of that vote of confidence it feels like he has with the Vikings that, okay, show up to camp, or show up to OTA, show up to mini camp, be here for training camp, don't stage a holdout. You have our, you have our word. And this is obviously all speculation, but this is kind of what it felt like that we're going to get something done. Just hang on. We're, I mean, it's not exactly the time that he wanted. But hang on 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 to that because you should be able to be here much longer if it's a place that you want to be. Now I'm not so sure just in terms of financial figures that they are going to be able to get him done when Diggs is the better value for right now because you lock him up now. You're not, you, you might not be paying the 15 million. You could pay him around 10 to 12 if you do it now before he explodes onto this, onto the, on in this year with Kirk, with Kirk Cousins. Um, to me, that's that's definitely one that seems like the smarter option of the two, and that bar let him play out maybe his fifth year option, see where it goes from there. If you're right, if uh, they were able to get digs done now, you could potentially save a lot of money from what it would be if he had a, a big year, and that, that becomes of the utmost importance. And if you get bar done, then okay, that's great. But I think you really have to focus on digs. Also, wouldn't blame digs for betting on himself, considering where he's going to fit uh, in this offense. So a story yesterday that really shook me to the core. We're going to talk about that next. Matt and Courtney in for Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. On 1500 ESPN.